Welcome to the Winners Win Podcast, the podcast that highlights awesome people in Kansas City and their secrets to success. I'm your host, Jamie Simpson. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of NetStandard right here in Kansas City. At NetStandard, we manage technology so that our clients can focus on growing their business. Today, our guest is Nate Orr. Nate is a partner in the law firm Spencer Fain. He's been designated as a super lawyer by Thomson Reuters, and he's an innovator in the way law firms service their clients. Okay, well, thanks for being here. I appreciate you being on the podcast. So I want the podcast title is Winners Win. So my first question for you is tell me about a memorable win or your first win that you remember. Oh, my first win? Yeah. Ever? Ever. Um, Well, you know, uh, we're going to get into kind of what, you know, as you know, I'm a winner, which is why I'm here. I'm not a loser like like the Raiders. Um, Absolutely. We only allow winners on this podcast. That's what you said, so that's why I agreed to do it. Absolutely. Um, Thanks so so much. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about my um, weird job at the law firm, I think. Um, And so I'm going to focus on a win there, which was, you know, I, I... I was a litigator for a long time, and so you know there were there were a lot of wins there, and those are fun and they're exciting. But um, as you know, my passion was building out this new model that I use for the firm, and so for me, I think the first big win that I remember that that means a lot to me was when I sort of created that model and approached the firm and kind of talked to the firm about implementing it and and had buy-in. That to me. That was a bigger win than any of the, um, you know, the victories in court or you know, hearings or whatnot. Why do you think that stood out more? Did you care more about it or? Yeah, I did. I, I cared a lot more about it because it, it was it was me trying to implement something that was my passion. Right. I, I enjoyed the. Um, I enjoyed litigating. I still litigate a little bit, at a, you know, at a strategic level. They won't let me go to court anymore. Uh, but. But, but that, was, that was my passion, so that's why it, it meant a lot more, right? I mean, it was, a, it was kind of a dream. It was kind of a, hey, uh, I've got this idea for how to better the service model we have in this industry, and I think it can work. And so getting some buy-in and seeing it grow was, you know, it was fun. That's great. Okay, so now we should back up so that we can set the stage for what you're talking about. So tell me a little bit about you and what you are building at Spencer Fain or what you have built essentially. So we, and I, you know, we built it at the, at the firm. I wouldn't say that I built anything, but you know, I've been at the firm for 23 years and, and as you know, you and I know each other really well. I was a litigator for a long time. Um, and then about 15 or 16 years ago when I made partner, I, I had this idea about going out to the marketplace in a different way. Part of that is lawyers at these bigger law firms all sort of self-identify by their practice area because everything's so specialized. And it's a kind of a vertical siloed approach. My thought was business problems don't exist in these artificial silos that our industry's created inside the the shop. They're, They're complex, they're multidisciplinary and I thought, why not go out to the marketplace on this, this horizontal approach, right? Why, why not go out and say, hey, you don't care how the sausage gets made. You just want the sausage made. You want one throat to choke, so to speak. I want to be the kind of the air traffic controller for sausage making. I want you to know you can call me. I'm going to get the sausage made. 
you don't need to worry about how it gets made. I just need to know what day you need it. And, and that was really kind of the idea was to go out and have my specialty in a, in a larger law firm be in some way a business developer, but in a larger way that outside fractional general counsel role um, for those business clients, a conduit into the, the service package that we've got across 25 offices at, at Spencer Fan. So. I think when we edit this video, we need to make sure that your title is air traffic controller for sausage making. Like, oh, I think yeah. that that's really good. I've never used really it before. Clever. So it was so good. I loved it. Yeah, okay, I really like. I expect you to update your LinkedIn later today with that. That's really air good. Air traffic controller. Air for traffic controller making. for sausage making. Right, so we'll good. So what were you know back to the point? What were some challenges you had when you first? thought of that service model? Because it is different. It's not the way, like you said, a lot of big practices run. So what what challenges did you find as you went through the development of that idea? Okay, yeah, and I should say this. I mean, look, I, I don't want to say that there are no other lawyers at big firms in this market or other markets that are collaborating. Um, it's just that our model is built, our compensation model is one that's built on billable hours. And so... Um, most lawyers have their heads down working on things so they can bill those hours. It makes it very hard to air traffic control other people if you're supposed to be getting your work done. Um, sure. So the challenge, the big challenge there was, you know, how am I going to unplug myself from a lot of billable hours and invest a lot of non-billable time air traffic controlling, which is really the secret sauce is that I do this on largely a non-billable basis. I spend a vast majority of my time not billing, just trying to build teams to give more efficient service delivery. So at the beginning, you know, I was a pretty young guy and I'm having to go do this thing, not bill. I've got brand new partners because I'm the little baby partner and I've got fiduciary duties to the firm to make sure that I'm providing value and money and I'm not doing it by billing a lot of hours. And so it, it, it was a little bit of a leap of faith. The other big challenge there was that I was oftentimes utilizing lawyers that were a lot older than me, great practitioners who could deliver the better services to the clients than, than, than I could. You know, I don't do employee benefits work or M&A work. And so it took me having to go to the team members, a lot of whom were older than me, and build relationships and have them trust me. So, you know, it's an ecosystem, but it's hard to do when you're 32, you know. Yeah. So were you able, how did you provide value back to the organization? What did that look like? How did you prove the value, I guess, is a better question. I think, you know, it's not rocket science. I mean, I think if you're going to do what I do, you know, you better be producing a lot of work that comes in the in the doors. Right. You know, I mean, if you're not going to work a lot of hours, you better be finding a lot of hours for people to work. That's really how I did it. Um, you know, it was just, you know, utilizing relationships and, and building trust in the community um, to drive a lot of good work back for our folks to, to, to work on. Was there something specific that you ran into or maybe in your history that inspired you to look at legal services this way? Was there something about it that struck you as missing or were you involved? Is, what, where did the idea come from? 
<laughs> you know me. I think I've always been a little bit salesman-y. You know, people use that as in a bad, in a bad way. No, it's a good way. Um, yeah. I, you know, so I think I'm, I was. I think I had an innate personality and skill set that that lent itself to this, and I, I could tell from the little bit I had dabbled in the first, you know, five to seven years as an associate, that I enjoyed that part of it. Right, I enjoyed going out and meeting somebody and convincing them that we could do good things for them. So that was that I think pushed me in that direction anyway. But in terms of the the gap that I saw, um, I, yeah, I definitely identified what I thought was a service delivery gap that I think still largely exists in our industry. Um, and again, it's 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 a it's a amalgamation of things, right? It's our compensation models in the firms where you got to be billing the hours. It's you folks on the outside in the business community told us in the you know. 80s and 90s, no more internal meetings. These cost too much money. Right? I can't have Bob talking to Katie, <laughs> no, talking to Mike. No, thank you. Yeah, you stack a bunch of billable hours on top of each other and meetings get very expensive. Um, and that was a pivot, I think, in, in the 90s. I, you know, I've been at the firm long enough, I've got, I've got access to a whole bunch of really cool old historical stuff about Spencer Fane. And one of the coolest things I've got is I've got some old invoices that went out. And you know, I won't mention the name of the client, but you know, big firms used to have institutional clients. Sometimes they were in the same building as the law firm, and these folks would go out for martini lunches every Tuesday, and they were like, these are my lawyers. We've used them for 40 years, they're our lawyers. They didn't move, they didn't shift. So we didn't have an obligation to sell. We didn't even really have an obligation to- Serve. Be accountable, yeah. I mean, I think we would serve, right. but you know, I, you know, I've seen invoices from the 80s from our firm to XYZ Corp that says, for March, of 1987 for legal services rendered, $37,000. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's right? insane. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and you folks wised up, unfortunately for us, and said, no, we're not doing this anymore. We want, we want itemized. <laughs> what is that, yeah, 37000 We want time entries. We want to know what, what led to this. And yeah. when that happened, we were then disincented from talking to each other inside the firm to some extent, right? If, if I can't bill for it because I know you're not gonna pay for it, then I can't go down the hall and talk to my partner about your spinning off of your division, right? You called me because I'm a corporate person, but spinning a division off isn't a corporate thing. Yeah. Or an employment thing, it's a corporate thing and an employment thing, and there could be a unfunded pension liability. There could be a lot of stuff. And so my thought was, if I can connect the dots, so that these people don't have to spend a lot of excess time in meetings, but I'm making sure all the arms know what the other arms are doing. It will make it a more efficient, cost-effective, and faster return of, of, of work product for the, for the business did, on the outside. Did specialization change anything in that? I mean, when did that come about? Because it seems to me, too, that there was a there's been a change in legal services, at least from a business perspective, from having one guy that just sort of does everything yeah. to having a specialist for HR and a specialist for M&A and a specialist for whatever, um, fire. We had, I had to deal with one for fire inspection the other day. Um, so how do you, did that come about at the same time that some of that sort of siloing occurred or was it a different, is that a different problem? No, I think you're spot on. I, I think, you know, not that long before I started practicing in, in 99, 2000, the big law firms, and by, you know, the big law firms now, we've got 500,000 lawyers. The big firms back then had, you know, 
50 to 70 lawyers and everybody kind of fit in the litigator or the transactional side really i mean there was some specialization you had labor sure. lawyers and things like that but you really did it's surprising it wasn't doesn't seem that long ago to us i'm sure uh that, that just in the 80s and the 90s you did have more generalists in these firms you know like, i'm a litigator i litigate everything well part of what happened is everything got more highly regulated right, right? it's the it's the it's the statutory and regulatory fabric of local state and federal just ugh, the morass that makes it very hard to do business right um not good for business not terribly bad for our business because it did require more specialization and law firms began to have individuals get more specialized and and so um you know you you made the joke you know oh now i've got a i've got to get a you know a fire guy or whatever we don't even have banking lawyers anymore we have consumer regulatory compliance people. I mean, it's so hyper-specialized that people in our financial services group, which is very large, they have their own subspecialties. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, we, I think one of the ways we hit it off is I think our industry is very similar, yeah. right? It went from having sort of your general IT guy who can kind of do all the things to now you need somebody who knows network and somebody who knows voice and somebody who knows... And, and that changed the way IT companies had to service too, because there a, is this yeah. kind of general, you need somebody who can fill in the gaps between all of those things. I, I think right? yours has exploded even more, right? I mean, just because of the technology. I mean, you're exactly right. You, the, the general IT person is totally superfluous now. Yeah. Well, and as some things get simpler, other things get harder. And that's true in most industries, too. You know, okay, we've solved this problem. We've made billing easier. Or we've made voice easier. But now we've got this big problem over here because there's so much data or whatever. Sure. But that's super nerdy. No one cares about that. So, um, I do. I <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You mentioned it a little bit already. But do you think there's something unique about... Nate or that makes you specially able to sort of see these problems? Like, is there something, do you have a certain value that's important to you? Or is there just, is just your general chattiness that makes you great at it? But I don't know if there's anything unique about me that makes me good, that made me good at identifying that, that issue other than it wouldn't be unique to me, but I've always been a more, um, probably business minded than legal minded. I don't know how I even ended up at law school. <laughs> how did you end up at law school? I was dating a girl in college who was going to take the LSAT, and she had the little prep book there, and I picked it up, and I didn't know what I was going to be when I grew up, and I, I flipped through. You know, all it is is uh, it's sure. little, little problems. You know, little, uh, you know, Julio works at the fire station and can only work on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Mike can only work on days that are two days after Julio. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was, like little word problems. <laughs> it was a little games. I took a little game thing, and uh, I became a lawyer. <laughs> and so uh, I, uh, and so I think I think the whole time I was a lawyer, I was thinking of things more in the business way. You know, my dad was a businessman, and I, I don't know. I think that's probably what happened. So I, I don't know. If there's anything unique about me that made me capable of identifying that that service delivery gap because I was just thinking about it from the customer's perspective. Yeah. Um, but there probably is a. A personality skill set that one would have to have in the walls of organizations like ours to actually do the thing because it is um you know these are flat organizations partnerships these law, law yeah, firms sure Get a lot of bosses Get a lot of cooks a lot of in bosses the kitchen. one or two admins yeah yeah and so uh because of that you really have to be you have to be as you know delicate and deft and, and, and 
trustworthy and um, honest with people inside the organization as you do on the outside. You're, you're asking for people to buy into a model and to be part of a team to, to service these clients. And it's a, you know, it's a, you're navigating political and social things inside of there, especially if you're really young. I'm not young anymore, but, but uh, you know, when you were, when you were young, I know we're still- We're young-ish, we're young -ish, right? Yeah, we're yeah. young-ish. Um, you know, it's, you've got to make sure that you're working with people and um, encouraging them, but also providing feedback if, in a constructive if it needs to be in a way that doesn't alienate folks from you, right? It's not, a, it's not the Ford Motor Company. There's not a chain of command where you can go, I don't care, Sally, get it done. I need it on Tuesday. It doesn't work like that, yeah. you know? I mean, I, you know, we, I would hope people wouldn't act like that anyway, but, but particularly in a flat organization like ours, you've got to really have people wanting to work with you on stuff. And that coupled with the outside salesman-y stuff that a lot of lawyers don't have or want to do, that might be a unique thing for me. Yeah, I think it's okay for people. I mean, I think we went through a phase where we felt like everything, I mean, and, and we'll get to this in your, your interest area too, but I mean, we want everybody to have access to every type of opportunity, and that's important. But I do still think there are certain characteristics that certain individuals have that <laughs> lend them to something different than something else, right? Like I was talking to somebody the other day and she has a new kindergartner and she was talking about the kindergarten teacher and her comment was like, not my thing. And I was like, me either. Really hard to do in a totally different way than what I do. Not my jam, right? right. And and so anyway. Valuable work, Yeah. but not for everybody. Right. I think, I think if I could give my kids anything, it would be like that ability to figure out what their thing is. Like, what is it that I'm differently good at that some people aren't good at? And I think it takes forever. I mean, I don't think I really figured that out for me until I got into my 40s, maybe. Well, you and I have talked about that very thing, that yeah. everybody can't do everything. And everybody shouldn't have to do everything. And I, I think I told you my analogy on that is, in our organizations, law firms, I like to think that Spencer Fain is, is out in front of the curve. I certainly do. I think we've got a more nimble, creative, entrepreneurial approach. But historically, these law firms, they were asking everybody in the firm if it was a baseball team. They were asking everybody on the team to play all the positions, right? You need to go out and find some work. You need to hone your craft. You need to write well. You've got to be great in court. You've got to, you know, whatever it might be. Um, that we were asking everybody to play all the positions. And that's goofy, right? I mean, no Major League Baseball team would say, we're going to have you play shortstop today, and then you're going to be the starting pitcher tomorrow, <laughs> right. and then you're going to be the catcher on Thursday. Right. It's insane, right? You need to figure, who can pitch? Oh, you can pitch? Then we're going to have you be a pitcher. Oh, you suck at pitching? Then we're going to have you be a shortstop. <laughs> Unless you suck at that too, and then you're off the team. Okay, yeah. um, so we're on the Royals. But if you, if you, hey, if you, it's a if different you, moment. If you plug people into the, into the right positions, the team is better. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very true. Okay, I want to, with the few minutes we have left, I was doing my research on you, Nate, um, and I found some interesting things, and we'll see if we get to all of them, but I did notice that you 
have spent a lot of time and energy in in the community, right? Giving time back to the community, and you seem to be interested in. I know you're on your firm's board for DEI, so ta- tell me a little bit about what your interests are, how you take what you do well and use it in other spheres of influence. I appreciate you asking about that. Actually, I, community involvement is more important to me than anything I do at the firm, to be candid. Um, It's the real passion for me, and that comes from my parents. Both of my parents were extremely uh, civically involved. I've talked about this before um, a lot. Um, And that just was ingrained in me. I mean, I, you know, again, both of them were involved. My mother gets mad when I tell stories about my dad because they were both involved. Um, So mom was extremely involved. Um, But I do remember my dad was involved in these, you know, JC's meetings, which was a a civic organization from back in the 70s and 80s. And you know, he tells stories about how he'd bring me, I was a baby, and he'd just sit me on the bar and they'd have cocktails and they'd be having one of their meetings after the meeting. And I think I picked up some of that through osmosis and it's extremely, extremely important to me. The good thing about it was for what I do and for when I was kind of coming up and, and making connections in the community that enabled me to have relationships where I could build trust and then do what I do now for money, <laughs> it allowed me to dovetail a passion with something where I could monetize it. It it made sense for my actual profession and my practice. And so um, I appreciate you asking about it. It's, it's, um, it's something that I'd like to see my kids get involved in as well. So what, what are you doing right now? What's your current project that you're working on? Well, so so I am on the firm's DEI committee. um, And that's a big passion for me too. You and I've talked about in the past for a lot of different reasons. That's, that's one of my core um, value propositions. Um, I'm also chairman of the firm's charitable contributions committee. Um, so those are internal um, uh, things that I'm involved with. Um, I, uh, right before the pandemic, uh, came out of four years in a row of being the chairman of uh, three different uh, big outside uh, community organizations. Um, and as you know, I, I was happy to get uh, married last year. And, and as we were getting into the pandemic, my wife said, you know, it might be nice if we took a couple of years just to kind of focus on the family and not have board chairman on the resume. And so right now I'm loving it because I'm, I'm dabbling. I'm getting involved in this arts organization or this uh, civic organization. I'm still on the, uh, the board and the executive committee of the downtown council, which is a big passion. Um, but I'm kind of free agent right now. So it's great. So if you have something you need, let me know. I'm happy to help out. I feel like what you just did is notify everyone that if they need a board chair, that you're actually available. That's what I, that's what I heard you say, but uh, I won't tell your wife that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think it's good. I think sometimes it's easy to get really um, sort of laser focus and heads down in one particular organization. And yeah. there's so many great things happening that it, I'm sure it is fun to get to kind of Play the field, so to speak, yeah, in your you, civic world. You put it that way. I didn't. I absolutely again another thing. Not to tell your wife. Well, <laughs> I got it. No problem. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really interesting. I when I was when I was looking you up for the podcast, I got to got to see your slow jam with Sly James that you did, which is still alive and well. Check on it the out. Internet. Go check the slow jam out. It's so good. It's well worth your time. It but was, uh, it that, was really fun. That was the that most was such a great idea. That was the most fun thing I ever did civically. And I, I have to thank the downtown council for letting us do it because it was an insane idea. Uh, but you know, the mayor at the time, uh, 
we, we, we replicated the Jimmy Fallon slow jams. And, and in place of The Roots was a good friend of mine, Kim at Coleman, who's a great yeah, musician. Yeah, so good. With yeah. the Fantastics. And in fact, Kim, with the building we are sitting in right now, Kim at, uh, is integrally involved in, in rehabbing this building and starting Vine uh, Street Brewing. Uh, so check out the beer as well. Uh, but that was, that was a blast. Uh, and I can't believe they let us do it. <laughs> it was really fun. And I think to get the mayor involved and do the whole, I mean, I just think sometimes, you know, civic organizations have a reputation of having a rep, you know, like they feel like they have to put on this ultra professional, hyper, you know, official sort of look. And I just love when, I think everybody gets involved when you can take a step back and kind of make fun of yourselves and do something. Was that, now, were you a natural performer or was that uncomfortable for you? No, I'm a, I enjoy performing. <laughs> I, uh, I enjoy being on the camera. Um, what, was, what was uncomfortable was Kimmet and I actually wrote the whole lyrics. And uh, so I had to go to Sly and tell him what his lines were and what we were doing. And, you know, there was some... There was some somewhat racy stuff going on in there, uh, you know, and we had, yeah. you know, we, I had to, you know, there were times, you know, you know, Sly, I know really well, and he was the mayor then too, and you know, he's got a presence, and so I'm standing there, I go, okay, and so, and so here's where you say this, and then I say this, see, that's funny, <laughs> and he just, he would look at it, and then he would go, really? But he did it. He was a great, great sport. Everybody loves a good sport. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so fun. Okay. Um, to wrap things up, I have a question, and, and we talk about our kids a lot. But if you could take all of this 23 years of knowledge and um, winning <laughs> and success and give your kids, if you could sum it up into one thing you'd tell your kids to do or that you could give them to know, what would you tell them? Know and help people. K-N-O-W. Know and help people. That would be it. Get to know as many people as you can because people are there for you, especially in this community. If you know people and you build trust with them, they're going to be there for you if, if you ever need anything. And the help people part is um, so critical. Just be kind to people. I mean, that's the, really the central theme is be kind to everybody you meet. Offer to help them, not just with what you do, not just legal work, but I try to tell people, do you need to meet somebody? Do you, is there anything else I can do for you? If you build a reputation for knowing and helping people, it will all come back around and you'll be happier. That's great. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I think that's a great place to end it. So I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah.